0: Hello, and welcome to the Count Thread Podcast. My name is Lou, my pronouns are they, them, and I'm very excited to welcome you to this week's episode. Today's segments will be housekeeping, whips, and something extra. Hello, and Happy New Year! This episode is a couple weeks later than I had intended it to come out, but it is in fact the first episode of 2024. So, Happy New Year, I hope that you've been having a good month so far, and if not, then hopefully this episode will be a good opportunity to relax for a few minutes. So, it's been about a month since I last recorded, and that's partially because my mental health has been a bit of a garbage can recently, and partially because I'm going to be moving in about two weeks as I record this, so I'm honestly still not feeling that great, but I'm trying to push through and do the things that I know I will enjoy having done, even if they're hard (laughs) to make myself do in the moment. So, since I'll be moving, the next episode will probably also be a little bit late, so thank you in advance for your patience on that, but without any further ado, let's get into whips. Okay, so I don't have a ton to share with you in terms of crafting this episode. My kind of energy and my motivation to work on stuff has been pretty low, and most of what I did, I ripped out the other night. So, I was working along on my birdie cowl, which was the two-color brioche cowl that I was knitting using Feederwick Farms yarns that I had picked out to kind of emulate pigeon colors. I was so excited about this project, and I really was chugging along on it. I kind of had that feeling think even before I recorded last time of not being quite sure it was going to turn out how I was hoping and I really should have just ripped it back then but instead I spent you know three or so more weeks knitting on it when I felt up to it and finally the other night I put it on some waste yarn to really take a look at it and I hated it. The I-cord cast on was a bit tight. You can see in the photo in the show notes that it, when the cowl was laid out flat, it kind of had a trapezoid shape to it because it was being pulled in on the too tight I-cord cast-on and then actually kind of blossoming out into its actual circumference. And at first I was thinking, that's not too big a deal, I'll have the narrower end, you know, I'll wear that at the top and then it'll kind of be a little bit bigger around my shoulders no biggie, but I tried it on and I really just didn't like how it looked. Cowls, I've made it and worn some cowls in the past and I think I really need them to be either pretty close to my neck, so like just barely wider than a hat would be in terms of circumference or long enough that I can loop it and wear it folded, folded over like that. And this was in that kind of awkward in-between stage and, you know, I tried it on for a while and I was kind of messing with it and fluffing it around and I just wasn't happy with it. And it is now gone. It's now frogged. The yarn has been wound up again and packed. I'm not going to try to do anything with it in the next couple of weeks. I want to give it a little time to breathe. I've been looking at other patterns that I might try and I've seen some things that I'm interested in but at this point I'm just so frustrated with it that I'm not gonna jump into something immediately with it. I will say kudos to the yarn because this is now the second time that it's been knit up and frogged and it's still holding up great and I really do hope that I'll be able to settle into something that I really actually love using this yarn, this pattern just unfortunately wasn't that. So somewhere in the middle of all that, when I was really not feeling any of my whips, you know, because I had spoken in the last episode about how excited I was to be done with my Christmas making and get back to some of my languishing whips, have not touched a single one of them. I I just have not been feeling it. But, for some reason, I got hit with this spurt of energy a couple weeks ago to throw together the, this flannel quilt top that I've been thinking about for a little bit. I think I mentioned this a few episodes ago, but basically I had a lot of leftover flannel from various projects, mostly pajama pants. and. Kind of coincidentally, they were all in a very similar color palette, so mostly white, black, and gray, and then one of the fabrics had a pop of red on it. So I, a while back, cut down all of the scraps that I had into squares. So I just used two uh, square quilting rulers that I had, so one was six and a half inches square, the other one was four inches square. If you're thinking to yourself, those numbers don't really add up. To put squares together, you're correct. And I think that was part of why I kind of like cut them out and then just put them in a pile and said, that's a problem for future me. And they are sitting kind of directly across from my desk and I just would have been staring at them since I cut them out. And like I said, I just had this random burst of energy to do something with them. So on Sunday afternoon I took all of these smaller squares and put them into little four-patch blocks, and I sewed those with half-inch seam allowances, and then once they were together I trimmed them down to six and a half inches, which is, I don't know, I guess it was less work than if I had trimmed the squares beforehand and then sewn them with quarter-inch seam allowances, but this was a little bit kind of thrown together, and from the very be- from the very beginning, I didn't plan it that well, so I just kind of made it work. That and then that evening, I kind of laid all of my squares out to try to figure out an arrangement that I liked, and I I am definitely I would say overly picky about random layouts and making them really feel random, even though, you know, if something was genuinely random, you might have two of the same fabric next to each other. In, you know, all sorts of projects like this that I've done, I worked so hard to make it very artfully random looking. So for this project, it really did take a while to get an arrangement that I liked, but I managed to get everything so that there is no bordering between any of the same fabrics, including when there's a six and a half inch solid square and one of the pieced squares next to each other, and the pieced squares have two different fabrics in them, so that added some complication. But we got there eventually, and I do have a few leftover squares because, again, there was no planning to this, I just cut up the fabric that I had. So I think I have maybe eight squares left, like a row's worth of squares, but if I had put them on, it would have made the the proportions a little bit off and I would not... I was getting to the point where I could not make my picky color arrangement work. So I just left those off. I might incorporate them into the back somehow, I haven't really decided. After laying them all out. On Sunday I kind of zoomed through chain piecing them on Monday afternoon and the top was done by Monday evening. It was genuinely a really bizarre feeling after several weeks of not really doing much and not wanting to do that much to just end up with a quilt top but in a good way. It was it definitely lifted my mood to be able to actually make something. So I've got the finished quilt top And I pulled out a bunch of batting scraps and I think I've got a large enough batting for it. And then I went to Joanne to get some backing fabric because I realized that where I'm going to be living for the next few months, there is not really any fabric stores nearby, so I figured I would buy it in person now rather than trying to get something online. And. I had looked at the website and kind of picked out what I wanted, and then I couldn't find it in the store, so I ended up, instead of picking something from the, like, flannel and nursery section, I got something from the Platitudes er, collection, which is a little bit... it's a little bit bougier, it was a little more expensive, but I had a little bit of uh, Christmas money, and I decided to spend it because I really loved the way that the fabric looked and felt and I was like you know what I can splurge on this so the fabric that I picked is white gray and red plaid and I got it pieced together but then I didn't I kind of started packing around that point so I haven't even pressed that seam open and all of the supplies for this quilt I've already packed up So, I will not have a finished quilt to show you for the next episode, but potentially the one after that, because I am planning on quilting this one myself, just a very basic, uh, diagonal lines through all of the squares, which I think I should be able to manage on my machine. So this one hopefully won't have to sit for too long. And as a small update on the Halloween quilt, I did find somebody in the area where I'll be moving to who does quilting. So I'm going to reach out to her in the next, I mean, really not until after I move, but I haven't actually made progress on the Halloween quilt, but I have made a plan to make progress and that's got to count for something, right? Okay. So for something extra, I wanted to talk about kind of how I've been spending my time for the past month since I have not been doing most of my usual hobbies. So first, I wanted to talk about a couple of video games that I've been playing. Again, using a little bit of Christmas money, my brother got me a Steam gift card, and I picked up a couple things that I've been excited about for a while. So the first of those was Dredge, which is a combination of a very cozy fishing game, And a really, genuinely terrifying kind of indie horror game. So the premise of it is you are playing a fisherman who is just kind of shipwrecked, showed up at this town. And so like a lot of these kinds of games, you know, you start with a loner boat that is very basic and you can only kind of catch one kind of fish and then slowly as you catch fish and earn money, you can upgrade your boat and get new rods and nets and all sorts of different things. But also, if you stay out at night, there are monsters and they will get you. So I had seen a little bit of gameplay. I started watching somebody who was streaming it when it came out last March. I think it, yeah, the end of last March. And I watched a little bit of it, and then I thought, I want to play this myself. So I stopped watching. So I had kind of a notion of what was coming, but I did not realize how genuinely scared I was going to be playing this game. Because <laughs> there's, there's a uh, panic meter, so if you stay out too long, and you don't have a light on, and spooky stuff starts happening, and it gets worse and worse, and... I was like genuinely feeling it with my little fisher guy. I was getting so nervous and so spooked. Uh, for I did the first part of the game really, really slowly because I was so unwilling to go out, uh, go out fishing after dark. But you, you have to to advance the story, there are you know certain fish you can only catch at night and all those types of things. Um, and then by the end of it, I was so <laughs> I was so casual about it. I'm like, hey, listen, my panic meter is full. It's 3 a.m. I can't even see any land around me, but I gotta catch that moonfish. <laughs> so it was really fun. Um, I don't really do horror kind of in general. So it was a very different experience to, you know, pretty much any other media that I engage with, uh, like getting that spooked out. And then, it, but it also was, but the fishing part of it is all was also genuinely really fun. So, you know, catching every single type of fish and filling out my encyclopedia, like that part of me, like that part of it was also, also felt very fulfilling. So it's a great game. I highly recommend it. And there's a pretty in-depth story and lore to everything that's happening as well. I think just in general, it's really well done. And there's a DLC for it that I think basically just adds another area that you can go to and catch more new types of fish and all that, which I haven't gotten yet, but I think I I think I am going to get it because I enjoyed the main game so much. And then the other thing that I actually had, was not planning to get until I was logged on to the Steam store and saw it was the second DLC for The Case of the Golden Idol. So, the base game, The Case of the Golden Idol, came out in, I think, November, definitely fall of 2022, and I heard really good things about it. At that point, I had, you know, my little MacBook Air, and the game did not run on macOS, and I ended up (laughs) asking my brother if I could play it on his gaming rig, um, And so I played the whole game in like three sittings. At one point he came in and we were kind of talking through parts of it as I was going. It was so fun. If you've ever played Return of the Oprah Din, this is a game that a lot of people have cited as sort of the spiritual successor to that game. It's made by completely different people and it, it works really differently, but the feeling that you get playing it is really similar, and its it was truly the only game that I had played that had captured that same feeling until I played Chance of Sonar a few months ago, which I think I already talked about. But in case I didn't, just briefly, also check out Chance of Senar. Great game. So for the case of the Golden Idol, you are given these frozen scenes, and... They're kind of lightly animated, like the characters will kind of wiggle a little bit, but basically it's a frozen scene that you can look at, click on everything, and collect a word bank, and then use all those words to fill in an explanation of what happened in the scene. So it starts out super simple, two people, one of them's pushing them off the cliff, and you have to, like, look in their pockets for the contracts that they signed to identify which one is which and why the one guy's killing the other. And then by the end, you are, the the final scenario, you have like six different locations and every character you've seen in the game so far, except for the ones that have been murdered of course, and all of these different symbols that you've learned how to interpret and everything and you're putting together this giant conspiracy. It was truly an incredible game. Like I said, I played it in like three sittings, just could not get enough of it. And then a few months later, there was a DLC for it, which I do not remember the name of. Hold on. Okay, so the first DLC was called The Spider of Lanka, and it was another three cases in kind of the exact same style where the original game had i think 12 in an epilog so it was another three cases and it it was super fun i was so excited to ha- just have more of the game that i loved and then i didn't realize that this second dlc the lamorian vampire ca- it came out last august and i just had no idea until i was logged into the steam into the steam store and just happened to see that not only had this DLC come out, but a sequel has been announced and is coming out this year in 2024. I'm truly so excited about it. I'm sure I will talk about it once it comes out and I've had a chance to play it. But this DLC, the Lemurian Vampire, was so cool because it had the same structure, but it added a really cool new mechanic of having different times for each scene so we were able to see what happened a few weeks ago last night this morning and you had to use to basically scrub back and forth between all of the times to be able to piece together the mystery. It added another layer that was so cool and it just made me extra excited for the rise of the Golden Idol and how they're going to develop the mechanics for that one. So that's the gaming I've been doing. Um, I also picked up Heaven's Vault, but I haven't played very much of that. And I'm not super hooked into it yet, but hopefully if I get a chance to play a little bit more, I'll be able to be just as excited to talk to you about it um, on a future episode. So the other thing that I've been doing when I'm not catching spooky mutant fish, I've been doing my jigsaw puzzles so I got four big puzzles from my parents for Christmas because in the past couple years it has really just become a thing that I am I'm known for in the family I'm I am the puzzle king as it were and my mom had also brought a puzzle for us to do as a family while they were visiting except nobody else seemed that interested in doing it so I also did that one um So, a total of five new puzzles, which was very exciting. So, put pictures in the show notes of the three that I finished so far. There was one that was from Hallmark, and it's a bunch of different, like, it looks like a gallery wall of photographs, and it's a bunch of different Santa scenes with a white frame going in between them. And I was really surprised, because I've done a puzzle in this style before, a few years ago. It was a bunch of different pictures of dogs, and then the frame around it. And that one was so much easier. <laughs> I think just the kind of scaling of it. The frame was a little narrower on that one, so, so so there was more differentiation between the different pieces, which made it a lot easier to put together than this one, where pretty much all of the edge pieces were just white with with uh, some snowflakes on them. So it was it was an interesting challenge. Um, I ended up piecing together a lot of the individual images before I even finished the border because I felt like that was the only way I was going to get any progress done on it. But I was able to finish that one I think the day after Christmas, or maybe the next day after my parents had gone home again. So then I started the other Christmassy one just while it was sort of still in the season, which was, I think the brand is called Dowdle. And I've done several of these puzzles, and they're interesting because the pieces are the pieces are cut into very non-typical shapes. So there are some pieces that have an edge on them that are not edge pieces, and they they don't have the very like consistent row height and column width that you see in some in some puzzles. You can end up with like a lot of very squiggly. Um, With a lot of very squiggly holes that you're trying to fill in so these are so that's kind of an extra challenge for this particular brand Uh, so this was a scene of a christmas market in frankfurt and i was delighted when i opened it because because when i studied abroad in strasbourg the Christmas market was, you know, one of the best parts about being there, and how it was just so beautiful and so wonderful. The whole, you know, last month that I was there, and so when I opened it, I was just so excited. I was like, "Oh my gosh, it's a Christmas market!" And my mom was like, "Look and where it is," and I was like, "Yeah, it's in Frankfurt," and she was like, "You were there, right?" <laughs> and I had to be like, "No, I've never been to Frankfurt, but I love the puzzle like that. Don't eat, that's." Like that's not relevant. I love the puzzle. I love the Christmas market. Um, It just made me laugh a little bit. That one was a lot of fun to put together as well. And then I had to get into the ones that my mom bought specifically because she thought they would be very hard. So this has become kind of a thing with hers that she tries to get puzzles that she thinks I won't be able to do. And this brand of puzzles called Brain Games. And I got one for my birthday last summer. That was a kind of similar idea to the one you see in the show notes, where it was basically one big kind of squared off spiral of these thin lines of all these different colors. And when I opened it and did it, I saw that the pieces had had been labeled by sections on the back. So it had, you know, was broken up into A, B, C, D, E, F. And so I sorted out the pieces and then put the puzzle together. And I told, when I, you know, showed my mom, she got really upset. She was like, well, that makes it too easy. So when I opened this puzzle, I saw it had been labeled the same way. I mean, it was from the same company. And I sent her a picture of the backs of the pieces and said, but don't worry, I'm not going to look. And I did not, um, honestly, I don't know how much it would have helped me. I, I guess just narrowing the piece pool for the different sections could have been helpful but this puzzle is a ton of a ton of squares on squares on squares on squares again it's all of these different colors there's no rhyme or reason to which colors are put together um it was so hard and i t- was texting my mom updates as i was working on it over the course of you know several days to a week and there was a point where i was like i think i'm becoming unhinged because I had, you know, I have this, like, big piece of cardboard that I work on on the floor, which is not good for my back, but that's a separate issue, and so I had the pieces spread out on this sheet of cardboard, and, then you know, the portion of it that is dedicated to what I'd actually put together already, and, like, being kind of hunched over and crawling around and trying to be like, okay, I know I saw a bit that had blue and brown next to each other over here somewhere and like trying to grab all the pieces. It was, it was fun, but it was like right on the edge of being too annoying to be fun, which I, which I think is exactly what my mom was looking for. So slam dunk on that one. So that brings me to the puzzle that I'm currently working on, which I started a little over a week ago, which is a 2000 piece puzzle. Of Vincent van Gogh's starry night folks I think this might be the hardest puzzle I've ever put together she gave me one that was it was just a hundred pieces but it was like completely clear acrylic and that felt like an easy easy puzzle for babies compared to this one I started out with the frame That's what I always do and it was a little tricky, but I got it put together. And I was thinking, okay. And then just the, it just felt so daunting of where to go next. Because I don't know when the last time you looked at Starry Night is, but it is a lot of blue. It's just so much blue all swirled together. And I ended up starting with the big old tree that's kind of on the left side of the painting. Because I was able to pick out the pieces that had that like brown and green on them and then from there I picked out all the pieces that kind of were that had any bit of yellow on them and put together some of the stars and then unfortunately I got to the point where I just needed to start pulling out some blues and I, I'm making progress. It's pretty slow and feels almost imperceptible. So it's, it's good that I'm taking pictures frequently to to send to my mom, because otherwise I think I would get more discouraged. But but I really, I've put an added layer of pressure on this to finish it in the next two weeks before I move, because once this thing comes apart, it's never going back together again. <laughs> so I'm not trying to move a half-finished 2,000-piece puzzle. Um, that's, that simply won't be happening. So... That is where a lot of my kind of hand hours have gone. I've done a a little bit of reading, not a ton. Um, I'll talk about that. Probably I'll just wait until the end of February and cover both months at once because there won't be a ton to talk about anyway. But yeah, I've mostly been working on jigsaw puzzles and um, putting on fluffy low brain intensity YouTube videos in the background for the past month or so. I'm I'm hoping that my kind of crafting mojo comes back soon. Um, I would love that, I miss it. I have not packed up the Terrazzo Afghan, I'm going to leave that out basically until the last minute so that if I do get another one of those bursts of energy I can hopefully get a few more squares done on that but yeah I'm I'm not totally sure what the next month or so is going to look like and like I said at the beginning I really appreciate your patience as I get through this kind of weird time so with all that being said I'm going to wrap things up for now thank you very much for joining me today I hope you enjoyed the episode and I'll look forward to talking to you in a few weeks. Have a good one.